Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Guff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about why the sun and moon don't have names, why kitchen sponges are grosser than you think, and how you can improve your self-control with the right feelings of guilt. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Cody, what's the name of our sun? Soul. Some people say that, but that's not what scientists say. What about our moon? Mr. Moon? Let's do it. Okay, it's Mr. Moon. Is it Mooney McMoonface? I like that better. Yeah. <laughs> we're, I think we're really onto something. But yeah, it turns out that our sun and moon don't actually have names. The International Astronomical Union is the organization that has the all-important power to name the different parts of our universe. They're the ones who confirm the names of major planets, minor planets, stars, comets. But when it comes to the sun and the moon, the devil's in the details. Let me tell you why this is a sore spot for me. According to the IAU, capitalizing the words sun and moon indicates that they're proper nouns. But if you read about the sun and the moon on curiosity.com, you'll notice that we leave them lowercase. That's because Curiosity uses AP style, which capitalizes the proper names of planets, stars, constellations, etc., but lowercases sun and moon. This is actually a long-standing feud between science and media, and it puts us right in the middle. But I'm so used to it at this point that now when I see a capitalized sun or moon, I don't like it. So anyway, NASA has offered an explanation for why the sun and moon don't have official names. Before Galileo Galilei discovered moons orbiting Jupiter in 1610, we didn't even know there were other moons out there. Therefore, our moon was the only moon, the moon. Jupiter's moons and the other satellites we've discovered since then were given names like Europa, Callisto, and Ganymede, so we could differentiate them from the moon. So in essence, we call the sun the sun and the moon the moon for the same reason a 30-something still calls their parents mom and dad. It doesn't make them less important. If anything, it just shows how fundamental a role they play in our lives. They're not just any sun and moon. They're the sun and moon. Like the rock. <laughs> but he's a person. He's not a rock. I never thought of it that way. How old is that sponge you're using to clean your dishes or wipe down your counters? If you can't remember, or even if you can, it's probably time to toss it and use a new one. That's because, according to the first comprehensive study on the topic, your kitchen sponge is disgusting. And the only way to fix that is by throwing it out and starting fresh. This story is sponsored by Scura-style sponges. But the science comes from a study published in July 2017 in the nature journal Scientific Reports. Researchers in Germany sequenced the microbial DNA in 14 used kitchen sponges to figure out exactly what kind of bacterial situation they had on their hands. They also tagged breeding microbes with fluorescent markers so they could watch them using special imaging techniques. This is like the sponge equivalent of putting something gross under a blacklight. And they hit the mother load. Out of more than 223,000 DNA sequences, the sponges came back with 362 different types of bacteria. In fact, they found that a single cubic centimeter could be packed with bacteria numbering more than 5 times 10 to the 10th power. That is a density the scientists say is only found in feces. Though, to be fair, most of the bacteria weren't harmful. After all, you are surrounded by bacteria every second of every day. Right. But still, some of the bacteria was definitely harmful. Five of the ten bacteria most commonly found in the sponges were potential pathogens. Even worse, those nastier bacteria were found in higher percentages in sponges that had been regularly sanitized. 
That makes sense when you think about it. If popping a sponge in the dishwasher or microwave kills 99% of the bacteria festering within it, that remaining 1% is by definition the toughest bacteria on the sponge. And now it's free to take over. So you're basically making room for the worst bacteria. Not so good. Okay, so now that you're thoroughly grossed out by that moist little rectangle moldering by the sink, what can you do about it? The official recommendation of the authors of this study is that they suggest, quote, a regular and easily affordable replacement of kitchen sponges, for example, on a weekly basis, unquote. Have you ever felt guilty about a lapse in self-control? Well, new research has found a way to do better. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you vowed to stop wasting three bucks a day on coffee or save money instead of go shopping online during your lunch break. Ashley? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we've all slipped up. And as reported by Futurity, a recent study published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology suggests you can do something to make yourself less likely to mess up again. And paradoxically, it's an action that could also make you more likely to slip up in the future if you do it wrong. I'm talking about publicly confessing your lapse in self-control. Sometimes it'll help you resist temptation in the future, while other times it makes you more likely to give in again. This study wanted to figure out why sometimes it helps, but other times not so much. According to Kelly Hawes, a professor at Vanderbilt University, most research on confession has focused on either religious contexts or criminal ones. Her study wanted to look at the consequences of confessing everyday lapses of self-control, where the only person you fail is yourself. And the researchers for this study had a theory that feelings of guilt might make the difference. So in a series of five experiments, the researchers looked at how consumers responded differently after confessing versus keeping their transgression to themselves, while also examining the role that guilt played in the confession. The experiments varied, but they generally asked participants of all ages using the MTurk platform to consider a slip-up, their confession, and their behavior afterwards. The researchers confirmed that when the participants felt very guilty, they had more self-control after confessing. But when they didn't feel very guilty, confessing actually led to worse self-control. That suggests that insincere confessions might actually undercut any benefit we might gain from seeking accountability. Sounds kind of like that study where we talked about how forcing a toddler to apologize accomplishes nothing, doesn't it? The researchers also found two other factors that influenced the effect of guilt on confession. One was public accountability, and the other was self-discrepancy. That's the degree to which a person feels their actions diverge from their standards. Basically, if it's something that person would normally do. Something that seems characteristic or uncharacteristic of them. The researchers say this study could eventually help organizations like weight loss support groups and addiction recovery facilities understand how and when publicly confessing missteps can help their clients change their behavior and when it might undermine them instead. And now let's recap what we learned today. Today we learned that the sun and moon don't have names, but that's okay. It's basically like mom and dad. Yeah. Maybe I'll just call the sun mom. <laughs> we also learned that kitchen sponges are gross. So go buy a Skura-style sponge. Support our sponsor and stay as squeaky clean as this podcast. We are fun for all ages, aren't we? We really are. And we also learned that the more guilty you feel about slipping up, the less likely you'll be to make the same mistake in the future. One slip-up that I make is I try not to eat the whole bag of cherries because it's summer and it's cherry season. And I will buy three pounds of cherries and that whole bag will go in a day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't make my tummy feel too good. 
but I also don't feel guilty about it. So I just admitted it, and now I'm going to do it way more, I oh, think. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Stay curious. 